And Sally Lucas today is going to give us some tips on travelling with cabin baggage only. And she'll also take us to Mexico's Day of the Dead festival. Some echo lodges, new echo lodges in South America coming our way as well. All that as we talk travel and the hot deals in the travel marketplace at the moment on 2NURFM. Talking travel and Sally Lucas. Uh, well, when you go travelling, you can, of course, put everything you might possibly ever need into one bag and put it into the hold of the aeroplane. Sometimes that's a little bit hard to manage. Well, it is, and I admire anyone who can travel with carry-on only, and this is what we talk about today. I mean, I can go pretty light, but I've not got myself down to carry-on just yet. But maybe this little, little article that I read the other day will give us some hints and tips as to how to do that. And it has been written by a former flight attendant, so she should know. She should. Um, So virtually, don't pack at the last minute. Give yourself at least two weeks notice to pack your bag, hang all the ones, which I do do that, I must admit, hang all the ones you're thinking of taking on a rack and then you'll do a, a select, you know. And she suggests that you just get two or three like piece pants or shorts or whatever, two or three tops. And she said if you're getting, you know, three, then you've got, you end up with nine combinations adding your scarf, you know, because people don't look what's underneath the scarf. So if you throw a scarf around your neck or a bit of costume jewellery, not your expensive jewellery. And also, like a lot of climates, even though they might be stinking hot outside, they have the air conditioning yanked up on the inside, so you can still get cold. So even when you go to hot climates, and vice versa, the freezing climates, if you're there, overheat. So you still need to do that little bit of layering. And also take fabrics that are really travel-friendly, like they either drip dry or virtually don't need to be ironed, if possible. She suggests choosing three base palettes, such as white, oyster and ink, and you can use a combination of those three colours, which will always go together. Palettes, I like that. Yes. Meaning a combination of all your colours. Yes. Um, And also, if you want to, she says, for trans-seasonal versatility, throw in a lightweight trench coat or or a knit or a pashmina or something like that, which is handy if you're going into temples and things for for ladies anyway to cover your shoulders. As I said, the accessories like your scarves and your jewellery, which give you that textural element and colour, but you're not really adding to the weight of your luggage. Shoes, we've always been just talking about that, Jane, off air, and shoes are always the, uh, the main bugbear with people because they like to have a change of shoe. And depending if you're going on a, just a, an ordinary everyday holiday or an adventure-based hiking type holiday. And then you're going to have your walking shoes, which are usually pretty heavy. They're a lot lighter, though, these days, but possibly wear them on the plane and that saves the bulk. Um, and then you'll want to have, you know, one other pair. And I always like a sand or something to let your feet breathe Breeze, as well. Yes. But it, runners now, like, I've never liked going with runners and people are going to me oh yes you're precious but no I hate I don't like being dressed in runners but these days you can get beautiful sneakers or brogues or things that'll be suitable for you to walk in and still look nice with your skirt or your pants or an outfit so that way you're multi doing having that one pair of shoe that can do two things so so there's just some hints and tips anyway that might help you be a hand luggage person a hand luggage sounds good (laughs) just sling it over your shoulder and away you go and no cues of waiting at you know, the carousels and all that. I mean, there's a lot to be said, isn't there? There's a lot to be said. (laughs) 
<laughs> a little bit to do, of work to do. Yes. Now, what about Mexico? Well, Mexico. Um, a rather special festival. It is. It? And I thought about this because a friend of ours that lives actually in Sweden is going there at the end of this year to do Mexico's Day of the Dead. And he's always travelling the world, seeking out colourful festivals, etc., etc. And this is a very important one for Mexicans. And everyone thinks, oh, you know, Dia de los Muertos and the Day of the Dead sounds horrible. But it's they actually, it's a time for the living to honour those who have died. And the purpose is, they say, to propel spirits into a comfortable afterlife while also inviting them to revisit Earth for one night. And apparently this is held after November 1 as the Day of the Children, which is set aside especially for children that have deceased. And then November 2nd is the opportunity for the adults. But they have all sorts of traditional celebrations and parades and festivals, even in the cemeteries itself, where they have vigils to honour deceased family members. They construct altars with candles. Marigolds they use. Marigolds are considered the important flower. And, and of course, the skulls that they use, the painted coloured skulls, etc. And they have food and drinks even, and often they have orchestral music. And so all the sorts of things happen. And particularly in obviously the larger cities like Mexico City. But also, I never know how to pronounce this, so any Mexican-speaking people out here, I do apologise, Oaxaca. Um, So it is a wonderful, beautiful city on the coastal region there. And, of course, they have great surfs off from there as well. But some interesting, you know, old temples and ruins there from those those ancient days of the Mayans, etc., when they were all over there. And it's a UNESCO Human World Heritage Site. So whether it's the Day of the Dead or not, it's a very fascinating place for you to visit in Mexico anyway. But maybe that would be a good time. Having said that, it is a little bit hotter at that time of the year. It's probably it's starting to just the lower temperatures a bit. can still get up to about 35 degrees, you know, in the, in the middle of the day. But yeah, but they have these wonderful, as I said, beautiful cobblestone streets. It's colourful. It's interesting. The the cultures, the foods, the flavours. It's it's the history. You know, just a fascinating place to go to anyway, and, and celebrate the Day of the Dead with them as well. To NURFM twenty past one, we're talking travel. And Sally Lucas, well, in South America, where do you go and stay? These days there's lots more choice than there used there to be. There certainly are, and a lot more, um, I guess, not just the wholesalers, but the people who are constructing resorts, etc. now, are considering ecotourism and building more sustainable accommodation. And also it's giving jobs to people within local communities and helping the local community as well, and using local produce and all that sort of thing. So it's a very... That's really interesting. One of the wholesalers I do use quite often there. They're really excellent for South America and that area, part of the world. Back in April, apparently we did have what they called a Happy Earth Day, and I'm not sure what day that was. And their little phrase was, Earth is what we all have in common. And I thought, yes, it is, but then we've got to be responsible with it as well, haven't we? So they were just giving us some ideas of where you can stay in South America now, where they have a lot of these lovely eco-lodges. So one of them is just called Eco Camp, and it's in Patagonia. And they've got those geodesic domes that you see sometimes in the heart of the Torres del Paine National Park. And it's providing the region's first fully sustainable accommodation, complete with green technology. So that, that is wonderful. There's one called Mashpee Lodge in Ecuador, and it's one of the National Geographic unique lodges of the world. And it's really a beautiful-looking building, very contemporary. But it's right in the middle of where you can then explore that biodiversity in the middle of the yeah, the rainforests of Ecuador. Um, there's one called the Chalalan Eco Lodge in Bolivia, and it's located in the Madidi National Park, and it's owned and run by the indigenous community 
of the local area there, which is interesting. Uh, Costa Rica, a country I'd love to get to. They reckon it's got some of the most interesting wildlife and diversity of wildlife in the world. Um, so it's known for its pristine natural beauty, as I said, wildlife and adventures. And they've got an eco-lodge on a thousand-acre private reserve in, in one of the peninsulas that's considered one of the most beautiful and wild parts of the country and home to 2.5% of the world's biodiversity. So quite incredible. And there's another one, Jicario Island Eco Lodge in Nicaragua, which is on a private island in the, uh, of the islets that are on the lake, of the lake of Nicaragua, which is great. So there's quite a few options that you have there if you're wanting to travel sustainably. And just briefly, Jane, I thought I'd just like to mention a little bit about when you're cruising to Antarctica or if you're considering cruising to Antarctica, there is still a limit of how many people are allowed ashore at any one time. It's a hundred and it's always been a hundred and I don't think they're going to increase it any time soon. So if you want to make sure that you're getting off as often as you would like to, it's much better for you to go on a purpose-built expedition vessel that only takes up to 100 passengers because then you'll be all ashore at one time on your Zodiacs and that's fantastic. So if you're going on those larger vessels, the more luxury cruise liners, you're not going to get as many shore trips as you would. So just keep that in mind. And also, it's interesting that after the USA and China, Australians are now the largest group of travellers to visit that wonderful white continent in the last two years. So we've got a lot more Aussies going down there. You've got to remember, of course, luxury ships have all the five-star amenities and all that goes with it, but the expedition ships are just for people who really want that land-based experience as well. And, you know, as I said, you've got much smaller groups. You really get to know everybody on board, it's it's really quite a personal and lovely way of doing any of those pristine areas of the world. It's two NURFM's talking travel. Twenty six past one. Sally Lucas, let's take a look at the hot deals in the current travel marketplace. What's around? How about some winter warmers? Because it is cooling down, isn't it? We are noticing that. <laughs> yes, definitely. And apparently, it's going to get a little bit colder. I believe. Um, firstly. Delightful Fiji. It is always a very, very popular destination for Australian travellers and not too far to go. So you can get a lovely little five-night package there from under $1,000, which includes your return airfares. It's giving you two free nights in that deal, a Mountain View spa room, continental breakfast daily, a day trip to Beachcomber Island for two people. Uh, you get your Wi-Fi, a shopping trip to Lautoka, a cocktail on arrival, and there's an airfare reduction included in that of $500. So that's pretty good value if you're just wanting a quick little getaway book by 31 May and it's departures from November through to uh, February next year. There are some blockout dates obviously with Christmas as you can understand. This is another one to Fiji but it's only available until the 18th of May so it's not a long lead in time but I just thought it was such good value for a family. This is for two adults and two children 14 years and under. Now, it doesn't have to be mum and dad. It can be grandma or, you know, uncle, aunt, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, and you're getting full breakfast, lunch and dinner daily. Your airfares and five nights accommodation with a complimentary upgrade to a deluxe ocean view bourree on beautiful Mana Island in Fiji. And it's just under $1,500 per adult and kids fly free. Mm. Um, and if you were just going as two people, they still have an offer there, which is just under 1400 per person if you're going without children. So there you go. Um, and continuing with the island theme, though, this isn't really a winter warmer. This is one of these ones that pops up every winter to go to Lord Howe Island. They make it a lot cheaper for you to go in the winter months. 
And usually Pine Trees there is one of the resorts that um, you can have. They have jazz. They often have the jazz there at that time of the year because people want to be more indoors and all that sort of stuff. But this is at the Somerset Apartments. Again, it's a return air with your return airport transfers and it's a one-bedroom apartment with reduced savings and they'll even provide you evening uh, transfers to restaurants of an evening as well, which is lovely. And that, again, is starting from under $1,000 per person. You do have to travel between 2 June and 31 August and book by 31 May. And there's also some great deals continuing the the other winter warmers to the Cook Islands. Again, you've got a book by 22 May on this one, a six-night lovely package. It's with an airfare reduction of under $1,100 per person, six nights accommodation, breakfast, and a New Zealand $100 credit to your room as well. We were talking South America a bit today, Jane, so how about this one? This is a 15-day lovely itinerary with dates uh, from June through to November this year doing Peru and Colombia. So you go into Lima, into Cusco, the Sacred Valley, Machu Picchu, of course, uh, Puno, Lake Titicaca, um, back to Lima, to Bogota, to Cartagena, and then to Santiago and home. So it's a, it's a lovely itinerary, 15 days, ex-Australia, and that starts from under $6,500 with lots of lovely inclusions, entrance fees, etc. in that as well. Um, Southeast Asia Discovery, this is valid till 28 June. So this is an 18-night um, cruise, which you get an economy class airfare to Singapore and you're returning from Hong Kong. Two nights in Singapore before you board on your cruise, which is a 16-night cruise on the MS Westerdam from Singapore to Hong Kong and you're going via Koh Samui, Bangkok, Sihanoukville, Nha Trang, Vietnam, Da Nang, Ha Long Bay and then Hong Kong. So that's a really, really nice one. And just briefly, we were talking down south of South America. In December, kids have got a kids go free if you're wanting to do those little short cruises around the Tierra del Fuego and and that Patagonia region. So you can see the Perita Mariana Glacier and you're seeing lots of beautiful wildlife. And of course, it's not as expensive if you can't afford the Antarctic, but you're still going to see some pretty spectacular scenery. So at the moment on these dates, they've got dates in December um, this year where the children actually go free, so you're just paying for the adult price on two little um, five-day cruises around that area, which is just fantastic. Again, ends 31 May and subject to availability. Fantastic bunch of hot deals. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. And we'll talk travel again next Friday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.